In this episode, we're talking about selling on Amazon internationally and ensuring your products and listings are set up for massive success. Hey, hey everybody, what is going on? Welcome to episode number 135 of the Private Labeler Show. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you guys are amazing. Don't ever forget it. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. Hope you're doing well and hope that your business is growing and crushing it. So thank you so much for joining for another episode today. And in just a moment, I'm going to be joined by the one and only Yana Krekic from YLT Translations. And we are going to be talking all about expanding your e-commerce business internationally to all of the new and exciting emerging markets. Super awesome stuff. Now, but before I do that, just a couple of things to quickly mention. Uh, thank you to everybody who recently attended last week's Facebook Live chatbot training with Michelle Barnum-Smith. Thank you so much for your support on that. Would like to apologize, though, for the small audio issue that we had for a few minutes. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't too big of a deal to you guys. But if you guys want to catch the replay of that, just go to the Facebook group. It's currently pinned to the top. Uh, you can check out the replay of her webinar and training on chatbots. And if you are not yet a member of the Facebook group, just go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash FB. And I also put, uh, for your guys' enjoyment, I put that, uh, that Facebook Live up on YouTube as well. And I did edit out any of the audio issues there. So it's a little bit tighter version of it. So go to YouTube or go to the Facebook group to check out that training that Michelle did on chatbots. Okay, so let's dive right in here and talk about selling internationally. Now, like a lot of you guys out there, you either have thought about or maybe you have already made the move on bringing your business on the road across the globe, expanding internationally to some of these new and emerging marketplaces for Amazon. So maybe you have some great products on the us.com store, some great brands, and you're thinking, man, I want to scale up. I want to get my product or my widget, my grill brush in front of more people to make more money, more profits. And I am just going to utilize some of these new and emerging marketplaces to do that, that Amazon is kind of building. And it's such an exciting time. So should absolutely want to get your product in front of as many people as possible. And Amazon really allows us to do that. Now, one of the biggest challenges, and this is what we're going to be talking about today, one of the biggest challenges that sellers come across when they expand globally is the language barrier, okay? And also, the other problem is understanding the different cultures around the world. You know, there's different cultures and how people perceive things and how you communicate to them that you need to understand. Now, if your listing isn't written specifically for the market you are entering, then you could very well be losing out on a lot of sales and profit, okay? So sellers may say, hey, you know, I expanded into the French market or the Japanese market or whatever, and, you know, sales are maybe okay or maybe not what I was expecting. That could be simply because you are not effectively communicating with your listing to that market. You're just not understanding that market. Or maybe, just maybe, you're not using the correct keywords for that marketplace. Now, you need to understand that, that the keyword research for your product and your listing should be done separately for each market that you are entering, okay? So if you did great keyword research and you have great optimized listing on the US 
storefront, it doesn't automatically transfer over to all these other marketplaces, okay? That's something you really need to understand. And if you're using the wrong keywords for that marketplace, we know what that means, that you may not be found in search for all the correct search terms, so you're not getting the traffic, and obviously, if you're not getting the traffic, you're not getting the sales and the profit, okay? So the bottom line is this. If you are expanding overseas into any different marketplace beyond, let's say, Amazon.com US, you need to make sure that you work with somebody that understands the culture and the language of each specific marketplace that you want to enter. And also, this is really important, somebody that actually understands Amazon and the algorithm and e-commerce, okay? So Yana, who I will play our interview here in just a second, she recognized that she could help sellers expand to these markets successfully with her skill set of translations. So Yana is going to share what she has learned over the years in working with and helping lots of other Amazon sellers expand to these new markets. It's all really fascinating stuff. And you're gonna to wanna to stay to the very end because Yana will also reveal some hot potential product opportunities to consider selling internationally. She kind of sees the trends and sees what's happening out there in the marketplaces. So stick around to the very end. She'll kind of reveal a couple, uh, couple of ideas for you to consider. And she also has a very cool and very special offer for you guys at the very end that will help you expand to these new marketplaces. And as always, guys, check out the show notes for any links mentioned in this episode, and you can get those at privatelabelershow.com forward slash 135. So along with the show notes, I'll kind of highlight the episode as well, some of the key points and things like that. And after the conversation with Yana here, uh, I will do a very quick recap for you guys. So you guys can kind of stay tuned until the very end to hear my recap as well. So without further ado, let's get after it. Hey, everybody. I would like to introduce to you Yana Krakic coming all the way from Belgrade, Serbia today. Hopefully I got all that right. Um, Jana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Nick. I'm super excited to be here today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So for the people out there listening that don't know exactly who you are, could you maybe just give us a, a quick introduction on who you are, what you're all about and things like that? Sure. So um, my name is Jana and I'm the founder of Wild Tea Translations. I have a background in languages and I speak five languages, uh, but I don't um, do any translations at the moment. I have a really big team of people, exactly 35 of them, uh, and we are offering uh, translation solutions for Amazon sellers out there. Uh, which means that if you want to expand abroad to international markets in Europe, uh, Japan, and Mexico, we can definitely help you out with our listing translations, packaging translations, follow-up emails, keyword research, and basically everything you need to get started um, selling on international market. Very exciting. So obviously, uh, you know, a lot of sellers start out in the the Amazon.com US market because it's kind of the most established, the largest Amazon market. But over the years, as we were talking, you know, there's a lot of amazing markets that sellers would want to get into. And there's new ones coming online all the time. So I guess from your experience, since you've kind of you're you're really hands on deck in this type of thing with with all these new markets and, and helping sellers, um, what other 
Amazon markets do you think sellers should consider selling into right now besides the U.S.? So like in your opinion, like what are the hot ones that uh, sellers want to consider? Uh, well, when it comes to Europe, definitely German market. Uh, German market is the biggest market in Europe. And it's a common misconception that the UK market is the biggest one, but it's not. And I just think that German market is a really good opportunity because I think that you can basically sell all the US, um, US products um, in, in Europe. You don't have to kind of make any adjustments to the product itself, uh, as you, for instance, would have to do, let's say, in Japan, because like Japan is a really specific market. And if you have a product for that market, then, you know, go for it. But, you know, it's more likely that you're going to sell those products in Europe, which the, the ones you're selling in, uh, in the States. And you should definitely go and try to sell internationally because that's like one of the reasons how you can get ahead of your competitors and increase your sales. And I always like to give an, a really cool example of um, David Hasselhoff. So we all know that he was, um, you know, this Baywatch um, lifeguard and his acting career was, you know, pretty successful. Um, but, you know, how many people know about his singing career? You know, like singing career, his singing career was seen as a joke in the States. But then he goes to Germany and then he, you know, ends up singing at the opening of the Berlin Wall in the 80s and basically becoming a country, a country's history. Uh, like he was basically one of the superstars, uh, you know, uh, singing everywhere. People loved him. Nobody knew it was, was it because of his like leather pants or I don't know what, you know, but people just kind of embrace him over there and they rose him to the stars. So he's an actual, you know, bullseye when it comes to David Hasselhoff and German market. And I mean, nobody expected it, not even him, you know. And I just think that, you know, it's a really good example uh, which shows that, you know, if someone doesn't try, other international markets, you're never going to know if the product is going to be a big, big hit or a miss, definitely. Yeah, that's interesting that we're, we're talking about David Hasselhoff here on an Amazon podcast. <laughs> but I remember uh, kind of growing up, you know, Baywatch obviously was pretty huge for a few years here in the United States. And yeah, we did see David Hasselhoff as a, it, it was like a, a, a total joke. Like, what, what's he doing trying to exactly. be, become a singer? And as what you were saying, it was, you know, he was actually well received over in the German markets, which. Yeah, he was like one of the most, like, you know, the, you know, one of the best singers at, in the era of 80s, you know. He was like uh, invited to all of the biggest concerts everywhere. I mean, you know, just, uh, you know, tearing down the Berlin Wall was like one of the biggest events in Europe uh, in the 80s. And he was invited to sing at this event, you know. And that's something that not a lot of people got the chance to do, uh, even, you know, the Germans who were, you know, pretty, you know, VIPs in the country, but they invited David Hasselhoff. So he was the, you know, he was the right fit for that market, definitely, you know, and who would have thought that he could have, you know, sold uh, himself or like his records and such a great amount as he did in Germany. I mean, there's yeah. really like no connection whatsoever with anything rational in this. That's so weird. But, yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, that when you when you um, want to go to a different market, an international market, you definitely want to make, uh, you know, the, the market research because, you know, uh, David Hasselhoff, he was basically lucky or, you know, maybe his uh, manager did a good um, market research, but you don't want to end up like Dolce Gabbana or Kim Kardashian, for instance. Like Dolce Gabbana, what they did is that they, um, they made this really, uh, let's say, cute promotional video 
And on this video, there was an Asian woman eating pizza with her chopsticks. Mm. And Chinese people didn't like it. They found it as a very, very offensive. I mean, I'm sure you guys know how sensitive they are about their culture. So what happened is that Chinese e-commerce banned Dolce Gabbana merchandise. And this happened in such a great disaster. I mean, Chinese market is like one of the biggest markets, uh, biggest e-commerce markets in, in the world. And um, uh, Kim Kardashian, she wanted to, to launch her shapewear, and uh, she named it Kim Ono. And then, you know, the mayor of Tokyo, he was really upset, and a lot of people in, in Japan were very upset about that, and then they forced her to change the name before the product launch and everything. So, you know, kind of she avoided the disaster, but still, you know, it's uh, it was a poorly done job when it comes to the uh, target research, and I think all of these people should be fired from their jobs. <laughs> That's just, yeah, it's interesting because different cultures, different people, and kind, yeah, of, kind of what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. I, I suppose you, you do have to think about that to some degree when you're, depending upon the type of products that you're selling. And um, it's just fascinating just to kind of understand that. Obviously, I know that with a lot of those Asian cultures, as you mentioned, especially, you know, in China, um, you know, things are, they're very protective over, over the culture. And, you know, because of that, like you mentioned, Dolce Gabbana, huge brand, huge global brand, doesn't have access to, what, over a billion people now because of that. So Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a you know, it's a tremendous loss. And um, it's something that people should really, really uh, think through. And, you know, a lot of these mistakes happen. There was also the case with, um, uh, there was this br uh, uh, car brand. And the second part of the name of the car brand was, or the car model was very offensive in Spain. And then, you know, they don't want to, you know, produce something in Spain. It's going to be like the second name was going to be like Puta, you know, which I'm sure a lot of people know oh, what yeah, it means. Not good. <laughs> and then, no, no. So they had to change the car model to kind of, you know, make a localization, if you will, for this market, you know, so it can be sold. So a lot of things to think about. But, it's not that difficult. Okay. So, Yana, I, I'm just kind of curious here. So, is there like a particular market based on your experience in working with sellers and things like that that appears to be a little bit more challenging than others? So, you're very high on the German market, apparently. Um, and I, I'm just kind of curious. You, you mentioned Japan kind of uh, brings some certain challenges, but is that the most challenging market to enter into, or are there other areas uh, that sellers should be a little bit cautious about? Well, I think that uh, actually every market, every every market has its own story and something you should be cautious about. Um, for instance, like two biggest markets in Europe, definitely Germany and the UK. Um, uh, it also has some restrictions. For instance, like some of the products are not allowed to be, you know, um, you don't have to. Like for instance, in Germany, it's a problem with some sort of uh, some some uh, types of knives because you're not allowed to write that it's like. You know, it can kill a person or something, and even in not in a funny way. And a lot of people um, that sell in in the U.S. and a lot of clients that contact us from the U.S. Uh, have like this like salesly language, you know, like the the, the American style of you know writing um, down like selling their products. And you can't do that like in Germany. It's not going to end well because you are not going to have the capture the spirit of the language. So every uh, market is a 
market for its own and you have to do the localization it's really important uh, I mean the the UK market yes they also speak English but it's not going to be written in absolutely the same way and you're not going to have absolutely the same jokes and it's not necessarily going to be received so well um, if you don't do the localization of your listing on the UK market for instance from your US listing and when it comes to some other challenges regarding products you're selling Japanese market is definitely one of the most specific markets because um, according from our two years experience um, a lot of products that are for instance gaming products or um, some like you know something like pink uh, cover for your iPhone with bunny big ears and stuff like that that's something that's gonna be sold in Japan but a lot of different things which you would normally sell in Europe would not work for Japan and that's something which you should be really we should really um, uh, you should really pay attention to it's not that easy to do uh, key, uh, to do the market research for Japan and see if your product is a good fit but I don't think that every product from Europe or from the US is going to be a good fit for the Japanese market so it's challenging in that way, apart from different alphabet when it comes to the language itself. So you mentioned the word localization. Um, is that essentially what you were saying? Like uh, you just have to be very specific to the market in terms of how you're communicating and the product and kind of making sure that um, everything is okay and matches up to succeed in that market. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you cannot have a U.S. listing and, you know, just have it translated and the way it is or like literally translated or, you know, something even worse like Google translated because it's not going to capture the spirit of the market. You want to address, for instance, let's take French market. You want to address the French people. You want to address French audience and you have to do it in a French way of your text and your listing and that's what a localization is all about and also I've recently had um, a talk uh, with the seller and you know he told me that in Portugal you know you have only three color for cars it's like gray black and white there are no colorful stuff you know but um, if you want to sell a colorful car or a colorful product in Portugal Maybe that's not going to work because you didn't, you know, put localization in consider. You didn't talk to people over there. You didn't think it through, like, how are you going to ha how are you going to sell this? And if it's going to be a good fit for the market, it's also the same as when it comes to the listing. Like, you really have to know what this market is about and what people like, what people don't like. So, you know, you have to be more like, you know, David Hasselhoff, not like Dolce Gabbana. <laughs> and you have to really kind of uh, write down in the sense of that language you know like German language is like really cr clean and clear and very well structured and it's a very it's a it's a bit more formal than the US market and you kind of have to make it a good fit for the the, the, the the audience and you have to like write a listing so that this German buyer is like okay this sounds like you know something th this product is clear to me I know what material is from what is it uh, wh how do I use it it's pretty clear and straightforward and I just might click on this buy button over here because it's written in a German manner. If it's written in the US manner, I don't know how, um, how many people would like to buy this product because Germans are quite like, you know, they're like really specific. It's like order, discipline, well-structured, um, everything is as it is, very clear, you know, and they want it also their listings that way. Yeah. Um 
I can, we were talking beforehand uh, about that because uh, just for the audience that doesn't know, I used to do um, Kindle eBooks a long, long time ago, way back in the day. And I used to expand to different foreign markets with my publications. And I found that the German market was very interesting because of that. It was uh, like things had to be translated in such a manner. And it was, you know, there was a lot of words that in, in America that we would use or say in, you know, that the German language didn't really have, or there, it meant something completely different or whatever it would be. So yes. when I would work with my translators, it was, it was kind of complex and I was it kind was. of surprised. It, it wasn't just like a simple, Hey, translate, you know, the word boat, you know, in, in English to ger like, you know, everything didn't always mean the same thing and, and how you structure no, everything, it was all different. And then you had to take into consideration of like how the audience is going to react us to certain words and how, and what it means to them and how they feel about things. So yeah, it's, um, you know, if you're using like a service like Google translate, it's, it's not always perfect, you know? No. And you know, like one thing that one of the things basically, uh, Google translate, uh, doesn't have, I don't know if it's ever going to have, it's actually the understanding of the context. So if you put like one segment of the text in Google Translate and it's not going to understand uh, the, the context which this word is put in, it's like, you know, translated, translating like a spring in your couch and you, Google Translate translates it as spring, uh, meaning the season, mm -hmm. and you're going to put it in your, you know, product when you're selling a couch and you're going to have spring or summer, you know, inside of your couch, you know, you don't want that to happen. And a lot of times Google Translate doesn't uh, recognize the context and it doesn't know that it's not going to be a, a spring, summer, autumn, but it's going to be a flexible spring inside of your sofa, which makes it so comfortable to sit on, you know? So that's, that's really important. And um, I also have a, uh, some examples for some uh, Italian market. There was a um, uh, there was this case where Google Translate actually translated the word very well, but this word it was the faucet, and it didn't translate it very very well. Uh, and um, it, it actually we got results which mean actual faucet on Italian. So it it was what it was was it was faucet in english but if you search for this word on amazon you wouldn't get the faucet because amazon and products being sold under this word are called lavello and not the thing which google translate suggested even though it was a pretty good suggestion but when you contact a human person or translator who's competent to do keyword research he would know to do the keyword research with this lavello word and not the word that google translate recommended and a lot of people uh, make a mistake by using google translate and just you know thinking that okay i'm going to i'm going to just going to google image this and this is going to be it without checking it on Amazon, you know, to see what kind of products show up when you type this keyword. And that's really, really important because Google Translate can be misleading. And then you can use these keywords for your PPC campaigns as well. And then you're going to lose a lot of money. Your click-through rate is not going to, you know, uh, it's going to go down. And you're not going to be relevant for the, the search terms you want to be relevant for. Yeah. So I wanted to dive into that. Uh, you, you kind of segue to it. So keyword research. So, you know, if I have my listing on amazon.com us and I want to expand to, you know, pick, you know, whatever market 
overseas, um, it's not as just simple as just assuming all the keywords that I've been using for my pay-per-click campaigns or my backend search terms or whatever are just going to fully and easily transfer over to all these other languages with no problems. So what you're saying is you really need to understand each individual market, how, how it's perceived, those keywords, what they mean over there. And maybe there's keywords that you, you know, you, you have to kind of, uh, leave out or swap in different keywords and things like that. Again, just to make sure that you're optimized for that platform over in that other market on Amazon. Otherwise, you know, you, you might not be relevant or you're just, you're not hitting on all the marks and therefore it could, it could kind of just come down to like, you're losing sales. You're losing sales because you are just trying to use a service, let's say like Google translate and piece it together yourself and just assume all the keywords that you're using on your U S listing are automatically just going to transfer right over. So what you're saying is you need somebody that has the skills to translate correctly. So that way your listing can capture all the traffic and, and convert accordingly. Right? Absolutely. Uh, a lot of clients contact us and they tell us, look, here are our search terms or keywords we use in these listings. Um, they're mostly U S or UK sellers. And they just tell us, you know, can you just translate them and use them in your listings? And then I always uh, tell them that you have to do keyword research for every market separately. You cannot just uh, translate the combination of keywords that you use on the U.S. market to the German or French market. First of all, this is not how, like, not every language works the same and has the same patterns. Like, for instance, you have a lot of compound words in German. And it's going to be like a really, really big-ass word, uh, which you're going to put into three different words in English. And you're not going to put it in three different rows in German as well. So you really have to do the keyword research separately. And for instance, if you're selling a travel mug, if you're selling a red travel mug, and that's a really um, high uh, search volume uh, keyword on the on the U.S. market, it doesn't necessarily mean that the red travel mug uh, put that way is going to be uh, so highly ranked for the French market or that it's even going to have a combination of the red travel mug. Maybe it's going to be travel mug silver on French market. And that's why it's important to do keyword research for each market separately and never ever to translate, uh, not with Google Translate, not with a translator, the search terms you use on one market to another. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, now, I guess other thing I'm, I'm thinking about here is let's say I expand into the German market or French market or whatever, and, I'm, and I just started out in the US market, I'm doing great. You know, I want to want to start to get my listings up in these other countries. Um, obviously, when customers buy things from you on Amazon, they're going to have issues. They're going to have problems. They're going to need things communicated, you know, whether it's an issue with the item, the order or what have you. Uh, how does that work then exactly with being able to communicate uh, for customer issues through email, through the like the Amazon messaging system? Like how, how does that all work? Uh, well, basically, we don't go into any of the um, Amazon accounts, but what we can help you with definitely is, for instance, if you go in German market, you have zero knowledge of German, you don't have anybody in your team uh, who speaks German, and you get a question from your German customer. What you can do, for instance, is you can, because it takes about 24 hours for Amazon service to um, to give you an answer about that, you know, if you ask them, like, could you help us with it, blah, blah, and it usually isn't that good. 
because Amazon Launchpad, they, they offer like the service of translating your listings, but this is an automated translation. And a lot of clients, they, they came to us and they're like, look, Amazon offered this free service. And you know, what do you think? Is it good? Like how are our translations? Uh, because we offer also free audits of all already existing um, translations. So we can, you know, double check them and see if it can be approved or if they're perfect. And, you know, when you hear Amazon and free in one sentence, it doesn't sound really, you know, right. <laughs> so it's something that's like for something that you get for free, it's going to cost you the most at the very end. And that's what happens with, for instance, this Amazon Launchpad service or with the Google Translate because it's an auto translation. You don't have any keywords or anything. So basically it's a big problem. But what you can do with your customers and their question is that you can send us an answer you would like uh, us to, um, you know, to answer to this customer. And then we can uh, get it translated, localized, so it sounds that it's an actual, I mean, because it is a native German translator doing that. Uh, but you're going to help us with your product information because we're not experts in all of the, you know, all of the brand categories. And you just can just tell us, um, you can just tell us um, what you want us to answer, and you'll get a reply in 24 hours or less than 24 hours. Okay. Yeah, because I gotta imagine that's a little bit um, nerve-wracking for sellers once they're first getting these cust customers' messages in these wild languages that they're not 100% familiar with. And, uh, they no, want, you know, they want to provide absolutely. great service and give the right yeah. answers and take care of the customer. But if it's not in English, they're like, Oh, what do I do? You know, I have, I have five people messaging me about an issue and I have no idea how to respond. And then if you don't respond accordingly, what happens? Well, customers return the item, they complain, they maybe leave a bad review, bad marks. And I just see that being a potential issue that people would have to face when they're expanding overseas. So, yeah, absolutely. And also one very, very important aspect are the follow-up emails because um, depending on the language, they're written in a certain manner. Depending on your uh, product, your brand, you want this to be kind of close to the people reading it, like very written in their like French or German or Japanese matter. Uh, for instance, in German emails, um, some people use it very formal, you know, and some people use it informal. But from my experience, I think the German uh, emails, depending, of course, of the product you're selling, they should definitely be written more formally than, for instance, the U.S. follow-up emails. Definitely. Gotcha. Um, Jana, what other tips or strategies or ideas that, that we necessarily didn't get into yet uh, could you offer to other sellers to help them maybe increase their sales, conversion, stuff like that? I know we kind of touched base on some of that stuff already, but I think ultimately what sellers you know, that are listening to this podcast want to know is, hey, if I expand to, let's say, Germany or expand to in the French markets, things like that. Yeah, I want to, you know, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, like, you know, sellers want to make more money. They want to generate profit and things like that. And they're kind of a little bit leery about expanding to these other markets, a little bit unsure. But once they jump in, you know, they expect a return. You know, they expect to make profit and things like that. Um, so, like, what other tips or ideas that, that maybe we didn't mention already could you offer them mm -hmm. that would help them well, sell more stuff? Yeah, one tip that I could uh, give to your listeners, uh, and that is what type of products that I've seen sells pretty good in Europe on all markets. 
Um, and uh, we've been really working from seven to nine figure sellers lately doing about 800 listings per month. So it's a lot of, it's a big number and we really have a lot of experience and what we come across as a really, really good um, product, uh, uh, basically the category is for babies and for kids. And that's mostly something which has to do with toys or paint or crayons or anything to do uh, with uh, kind of uh, stuff that kids could do to play with. So not like games and, uh, you know, uh, board games and stuff like that. But like this has been a really good category. So babies and kids and definitely uh, cell phone cases. This is something which is very, very um, has a high, a good opportunity for the whole European market. That's wild that you say cell phone cases because like cell accessories is generally a big no-no in the U.S. market to even get into. So, you know, they have yeah. been for years because it's from, just so... Our, yeah, but from our experience, like people are getting a lot of sales in, in these three categories. That's interesting. And yeah. a lot of products are from, from that we, we do are from, from that category. I mean, we do basically everything from ethernet to you know baby products so it's a really really huge variety of products that we deal with but this is something which we get quite a lot and the, the and, and then i had have the feedback from the from the clients that they have a lot of different sales oh that's good and is there is it concentrated mainly towards the german market as far as like what you see the the hot activity as we were talking about earlier or is it just everywhere for these products well, you know, it. Um, I mean, it's not going to be on the same scale on Italian and the German market because Spanish and Italian markets are just, you know, they're fairly small. And it's not going to be sold in the same extent as on German and the UK market, just, you know, just simply because those markets are huge, you know. Gotcha. But uh, it's, it's basically doing very well on, those are basically doing very well on all of the markets. Yeah, but the main my main focus is on baby and kids products. That's like number one and two. All right, so if you guys are selling some baby products in the U.S. and uh, some other kids-related products, maybe you want to give those foreign markets a strong look to uh, expand into. Um, so this is all really great stuff. I'm going to kind of start wrapping this up here, Yana. So uh, you mentioned YLT Translations. That's your company. You guys help. Amazon sellers or sellers expand to these new markets. As we talked about, it's really important exactly. to make sure that, you know, you can't just take again that US listing and automatically just assume that you could go to Google Translate or just hire somebody off of Fiverr for a couple of bucks and just no, expect I mean that it's automatically gonna just transfer over to all these other languages correctly, word for word. So as we were talking about localization, making sure that the keywords are correct. Uh, making sure that's written correctly, make sure you do your due diligence on the market to make sure again that uh, you know what you're selling is is appropriate and the audience is going to be all over it in terms of like your offer and things like that. Um, and you mentioned you have a whole bunch of translators kind of on on staff right now. And what I wanted just to kind of say or focus in on is um, these translators in your company obviously is catering towards sellers towards amazon sellers almost specifically correct exactly we're an amazon dedicated uh, translation agency and all of our translators unlike for instance you mentioned fiverr uh, fiverr translator if you give a fiverr translator your listing um if this is not an amazon dedicated translator of course i'm just talking about 80 percent of the translators out there uh, this translator is not going to do any keyword research for a listing he doesn't know any, anything about amazon algorithm 
the length, the rules. He doesn't know anything. He can just give you like a source uh, text translated to you know the target language, and that's it. And then if uh, you know I'm looking for a red travel mug, this, this is the long tail keyword you are ranking for. Uh, you want to be ranking for, and there is no red travel mug, uh, you know, in your listing because it's done by someone who hasn't done keyword research. Your listing is not going to show up, and it's not going to be relevant for this. Uh, keyword search term that you actually want to be very, very relevant for because you are selling a red travel mug. And that's what, why it's really important to take um, and have um, your trans translations done by translators who are actually from the industry who know what they're doing, they know why to do the keyword research, how to do it, and they, they know why they're localizing the products and applying all the strategies that, that you know, are known um, to be used on the proper list. Yeah, and I just, I was just kind of thinking about this as you were saying that, and hopefully you guys in the audience are, are connecting with this. Um, again, you can't just, I mean, Amazon in, in itself is its own language. You mentioned the algorithm, A9 algorithm, you know, like yeah. keywords, research, all that stuff. And that's like the lifeblood of Amazon. And if your listing that you're trying to get translated over to sell in these new markets isn't quite dialed in to everything that Amazon wants, you're going to be leaving money on the table. You're not going to be converting as well, potentially you're not going to be found for all the proper search terms and things like that. So I just think that it's really important that you work with, uh, people that understand Amazon and understand what you're trying to do. And, you know, just talking about keyword research and, and different things like that when it comes to translations, I, you know, you're, if you just hire somebody randomly off of, you know, whatever website, they're not going to understand that stuff. They're not going to, not that they're trying to do a bad job for you, but they're going to hand in what they, what they think is appropriate. And they're not really all up to speed on what Amazon wants. So the bottom line Definitely. is you may be leaving money on the table thinking that you're, you know, maybe your product's doing okay. in these other markets say you expanded the French market, expanded the German market. You're like, Oh, I got some sales coming in. This is kind of cool, but it's not necessarily going to be hundred percent optimized for um, what Amazon in that market wants. It's exactly what, what uh, I was talking about. And I think that, you know, you really uh, miss, the, if you're already selling on the international market, uh, if your listings are not optimized and localized, you're really not going to get that full potential out of your listing and you're not going to increase your sales as much as you could. Because if you're already making sales and you have a really poor listing, imagine how many sales you could get if you get this listing properly done by someone from the industry who knows what's doing. So, Yana, where can listeners find you online if they have more questions? Naturally, this is kind of something I think people are going to want to inquire a little bit more about. Hey, they're thinking about expanding over to you know the French market or something like that. Like, where do they begin? Things like that. Where, where can sellers find you online if they have more questions well we have a chat on our webpage and one of my co-workers is always there so we're not uh using any chat bots or anything uh it's on our webpage uh ylt-translations.com uh, they can uh, like our Facebook page and like uh, and send us uh, send the picture uh, sorry <laughs> and send us a message or you can write directly to me if you have any questions uh, on J A N A at ylt-translations.com and I would like to invite everyone who maybe already translated their listings and are not happy with the sales or maybe wondering if there's something else which should be improved or aren't sure how well the translations were done to send us their translations and we're, we'll be more than happy to do a free audit to all of them. 
Awesome. And uh, you had a special offer for the listeners if somebody wanted to kind of check out your guys' options. What, what was that again? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I would like to offer all of, uh, to all of your listeners a 20% discount on all of our services um, by the end of August. Uh, and um, we can use the code um, PLSHOW20. You can just use it in your email subject and send us an email and you'll get 20% discount on all of our services. We do basically everything from listings. Um, in all of our listings, the keyword research is included. And unlike any other um, uh, translation company, we don't have any word limit. So your listing can be an, with an A-plus content or it can just have a regular product description. We have a flat rate for that. We also do follow-up emails. Uh, we offer a customer service subscription plan where we help you answer the, the questions from your, from your uh, buyers. We do packaging translations. We do ad translation. We also do storefront translations. And we also do website translations. So we do also part of e-commerce translations as well, but they are, you know, connected to Amazon translations in, in the sense of keywords and having like this strategy. So it's not your regular translations agency and we don't translate just, you know, from the source to the target text as, um, you know, you can get on Fiverr or other places online. Excellent. So you mentioned ylt-translations.com and then uh, the code of PL show 20 for 20% off of your services. And that's through the end of August. Um, yes. guys, if you're driving, uh, getting that, uh, gym session in at the park, whatever it is that you're doing, don't worry about that. Go and visit the show notes, uh, for those links. Okay. So don't worry. You don't have to necessarily remember that. I'll put that all, all this, uh, information in the show notes, the links and things like that. So you can revisit it. Um, when you're done or at a later time. So Yana, uh, thank you so much for this awesome information. I know expanding overseas into other markets is definitely top of mind for a lot of sellers. seems like there's new markets emerging all the time. I get these emails from Amazon saying, hey, they're, you know, beta testing for sellers in this new market or that new market, you know, all the time. And it's really exciting time for e-commerce and Amazon, uh, truly making this like a global experience. But as we all know, not everybody speaks the same language. So there's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of opportunity there in terms of making sure that you're communicating your listings appropriately to the market that you're going to try to target. And uh, it's really important, as we talked about, that it's done correctly. Otherwise, again, uh, you may not be really giving Amazon what it wants for that particular market. And it could result in loss of sales clicks, conversions, all that stuff, which nobody wants because we all want to make money. That's why we're all here. So, um, Yana, anything else before we kind of wrap this up here that, uh, you'd like to mention or, or are we all good to go? Yeah, I would just like to encourage people to go out there and maybe if you are not a top seller in the US, you might be one in Europe and you would might, you know, even get more profit or sales uh, somewhere else other than your domestic market and you should just go and, you know, get get involved in that as soon as possible. Definitely. Go for it. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Yana, for spending a few moments of your busy day with us here on the Private Labeler Show podcast. The audience greatly appreciates you and all the information you gave, and we will be in touch and talk to you later. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Have a good one. 
Wow. Awesome information. Yana, thank you again so much. That was a lot of fun. I hope you guys really enjoyed it as much as I did. You know, I didn't think waking up this morning that I would be having a conversation with somebody about David Hasselhoff's wildly and oddly successful German singing career and relating that to Amazon somehow. So what a world, what a day. That was a lot of fun. So here are a couple of my key takeaways that I wanted to share with you guys. So first and foremost, if you're going to be expanding to any new marketplaces with your listings, with your products, you cannot and should never use a service like Google Translate or anything similar for your listing translations, as well as avoid Fiverr gigs, avoid hiring your cousin Billy who took four years of German in, in high school and college. Like that's not gonna get the job done, okay? This is a business, you need to treat it as such. You need to hire professionals that again, not only understand Amazon and the algorithm and e-commerce, but they understand each marketplace individually and how to craft your listing appropriately so that it can sell. It can communicate effectively to the specific customers in that marketplace. Number two, keyword research needs to be done independently and differently for each marketplace. So if you have all the keyword research that you did for your amazon.com listing, that's not always going to transfer over into all these different marketplaces. Okay. So you need to understand that it needs to be done independently for each marketplace. So if you fail to utilize the correct keywords for Amazon, we all know what happens. We don't get found in search. The algorithm doesn't pick us up and we're going to lose out on traffic. We're going to lose out on sales and profit. Okay. So it's really important that keyword research is done independently and differently for each marketplace. Okay. And then thirdly here, finally, uh, guys, there may be products and or markets that are what we would call quote unquote saturated on, let's say the U S marketplace. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's like sell accessories or phone cases or things like that, that, you know, are kind of hard to get into, hard to compete in, in the U S marketplace. But that does not mean that for all of these other marketplaces on Amazon around the globe, that those are also saturated. Those are also too wildly competitive. There may be huge opportunities there. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Wanted to share that, that, you know, just because something or a product is overdone on the U S marketplace, doesn't mean that you can't have success with it in another country or another market around the world. So very fascinating stuff there. Now, again, if you guys want Yana's help in getting your products ready for sale in these new marketplaces as you expand out, again, just go to ylt-translations.com. And again, if you use code PLSHOW20, that's PLSHOW20, you will get 20% off of their services. And that is good through the end of August. So you got a little bit of time to do that, make it happen, go get it done and work with a professional team that can set you up for success. So maybe you actually already have listings in different marketplaces. Maybe you expanded to Germany or you expanded to France or whatever. Um, you know, maybe those listings aren't performing like you had hoped. It could be a simple issue. It could be that your listing wasn't translated correctly and you're not using the correct keywords. Okay. So you may want to connect with Yana about that and see if your translation was maybe just done incorrectly and you're not capitalizing off of all the traffic that you could be getting had you worked with a professional that truly understood Amazon, the algorithm, and you know the culture and the market that you're entering into. So consider all of that. And as mentioned, guys, check out the show notes to today's episode for a quick breakdown, any links mentioned, things like that. If you go to private labeler 
show.com forward slash 135. You'll get hooked up with the show notes. So that about does it, guys. Talk to you in the next episode later. This episode of The Private Labeler Show has ended. Please show your support for the podcast by subscribing for more business strategies and tactics to help you build your empire. Also, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.